In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, we read at the birth of Jesus Christ, of the coming of the wise men from the east who sought him. We read there, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? Now this Jesus, born king of the Jews in Bethlehem, the city of David, was pictured in type and figure by the two kings of whom we read in 1 Kings chapter 5. Both David and his son Solomon. In the early verses of chapter 5 we read, And Hiram king of Tyre sent his servants unto Solomon, for he had heard that they had anointed him king in the room of his father, for Hiram was ever a lover of David. And Solomon sent to Hiram, saying, Thou knowest how that David my father could not build an house unto the name of the Lord his God, for the wars which were about him on every side, until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. But now the Lord my God have given me rest on every side, so that there is neither adversary nor evil occurrent. And behold, I purpose to build an house unto the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord spake unto David my father, saying, Thy son, whom I will set upon thy throne in thy room, he shall build an house unto my name. Now therefore command thou that they hew me cedar trees out of Lebanon, and my servants shall be with thy servants, and unto thee will I give hire for thy servants according to all that thou shalt appoint. For thou knowest that there is not among us any that can skill to hew timber like unto the Sidonians. Solomon sent to Hiram, saying, Thou knowest how that David my father could not build an house unto the name of the Lord his God for the wars which were about him on every side, until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. Yes, both David and Solomon typified Christ the king who should come the king of the Jews. But as we see here in this chapter, they typify him in different aspects. Solomon followed his father David. And David's reign is one in which he knew much of warfare, much of battle, much trouble. His enemies pursued him throughout all his years. Even before becoming king, as a young man, his first encounter with his enemies was when he was brought to the men of Israel who faced that mighty warrior Goliath. And David, taking five stones in a sling, went to encounter this great giant this great enemy of the people of God. 
and by the grace of God slew him with but one stone. But throughout his life, appointed to be king of Israel by Samuel the prophet, he knew the hatred and the opposition of his predecessor Saul. Saul pursued him throughout the land, seeking his life. David became a fugitive, living in caves, going from here to there, always pursued, always hated, death being but a moment away from him. Though he had been declared that he should be king, what he knew was those who would put him to death. Then when Saul died and David came to the throne, his lifetime as king is depicted by one in which he knew warfare throughout his years. The other nations sought to destroy him and his people. There was constant warfare, constant battles until the day that his reign came to a close. And then Solomon is brought to the throne. And Solomon's reign, as we see here mentioned by Solomon himself, was very different from his father's. His reign was won over a peaceful kingdom. The enemies of Israel were subdued. Solomon knew rest. And as such, Solomon was enabled by God to build that house of God, build that temple for the worship of God that David longed to build, but which David could never build because of the wars which were about him on every side. In this we see both David and Solomon depicting Christ's work as the king of the Jews, the king of kings, in different aspects. In David we see the warfare into which Christ came. We see how Christ came unto his own. He came as a man born a Jew. He came unto his own. And they sought to put him to death from the moment he was born. These wise men seeking he who was born king of the Jews came unto King Herod and when King Herod heard of the birth of Jesus he sought to destroy him. He put out a declaration to kill all the firstborn children in the land at that time in order that this one born king of the Jews should be slain and taken out of the way. And because God moved Joseph in a dream to go and take his wife and their newborn son down into Egypt. Christ was spared. But from the moment he was born, mankind sought to destroy him. Then as he ministered as a man in Jerusalem and in Judea, the scribes, the Pharisees, those who should have been looking for his coming as Messiah, 
those who should have received this great prophet of whom they read in the scriptures, those whom, who they should have received as the lawgiver of their law, as the king of their nation, as their saviour, those who should have been looking for his coming and received him at his coming, simply sought to destroy him. They treated him as a blasphemer. They said he claimed to be the Son of God, as though he was not. They hated his, his doctrine, they hated his teaching, which they felt took power and authority away from them. He came preaching the gospel and that gospel set them at naught, as it sets us at naught. He came preaching the truth and the truth found them out. He came declaring that all men are sinners. And when we hear that we are sinners, we're troubled. We're full of enmity. We reject such a message. We resist it. He came declaring that God is sovereign. That God is over all. That salvation is of the Lord. And when man hears this, he hates it for we will save ourselves and we will go our own way and make our own decisions. So this man who was born king of the Jews knew warfare and trouble all his days. But David's life and the wars which were about him on every side Depict more than simply the opposition that Christ as a man received from sinful men. The wars about him on every side point us most of all to the cross and that great battle which Christ endured when he was plunged under the wrath of God because of the sins of his people which were laid upon him. Oh, what a great work. What a great battle. What a warfare Christ went into. What a warfare when his enemies were made to be his footstool. Thou knowest how that David my father could not build an house unto the name of the Lord his God for the wars which were about him on every side until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. But Solomon and his reign depicts that which came thereafter. But now the Lord my God have given me rest on every side, so that there is neither adversary nor evil occurrent, and behold, I purpose to build an house unto the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord spake unto David my father, saying, Thy son, whom I will set upon thy throne in thy room, he shall build an house unto my name. Solomon too is a picture of Christ. But in this sense, very much a picture of a Christ who has accomplished the work of salvation whose warfare is over, who has returned victorious from battle, 
that Christ, that King who was laid dead in the grave, having suffered upon the cross, who rose from the dead victorious and ascended into glory and sat down upon the right hand of the Father, entering into rest, sitting down in his temple, glorified with his people, entering into his house, that temple of which Christ spake, that destroy this temple, and in three days I shall build it again. For he spake not of the temple built with hands, but of his own body. Yes, those Jews, those enemies of Christ, all those who sought to put him to death, Jew and Gentile, all those who slew him, you and I included with our apathy and our opposition and our hatred of the gospel and of God's Son, though that temple of his body was destroyed, though he died, though he was laid in the grave in three days, he built it again. He rose victorious. The temple was built and he entered into rest. This is that temple of which Solomon's temple that he built and of which we read in chapter 5 and the subsequent chapters. That great temple that was built in Jerusalem during that restful reign of Solomon is a picture of that temple of Christ which was built when he rose from the dead victorious and sat down in glory having finished the work of salvation. Oh, what is pictured by the reign of both David and of Solomon. And what a contrast we see. The warfare accomplished and finished in David's reign. The rest into which Christ, as pictured by King Solomon, entered, entering into this temple, of which Solomon's temple was a picture. But before Solomon could build this temple, before there was rest in Jerusalem, what David encountered was wars which were about him on every side. David, my father, could not build an house unto the name of the Lord his God for the wars which were about him on every side. And not only could he not build an house for the wars which were about him on every side, but spiritually speaking, you and I cannot enter into rest. We cannot enter into an eternal temple, the house of God, whilst there are wars about us every side. David knew this in experience. But it's an experience which we all know if the Lord shows us. All we know in this world because of our sin and the enemies which are about us on every side, inside and outside, is warfare. There's an enmity within, 
and enmity, which wars against God, which wars against the peace of God, which wars against righteousness, which wars against life. There's an enemy which seeks to put to death all the time. Sin will slay us each and every day. You will not enter rest, it says, for I will put you to death. And how every day our evil hearts, when we close our ears to the gospel, when we close our ears to Jesus Christ, when we have no time for that king who was born in Bethlehem, when we despise him, when we go our own way, when we go seeking the pleasures and the riches of this world, when we go further in our own ambitions, when we fill our time up with our own occupations and have no time for God and have no time for his son and have no time for his gospel, when we pursue these things, how that evil within us rages against God, how there is enmity there. What a warfare there is within and without. And there can be no house built whilst there are wars on every side. David knew this in a physical way. But through the things he experienced, he learned inwardly what was real in his own heart. He learnt that which God can show you and I of the spiritual warfare that's around us and within us. There's no peace. There's no peace. There's no rest to be found whilst there is this war raging within and without. And yet that's what we seek. That's what man seeks continuously. He lives seeking happiness, seeking pleasure, seeking amusement and distraction, seeking riches, seeking peace, seeking rest. And for all his efforts, he never finds it. For this life is brief, it's fleeting, it's gone in a moment. And no matter how much you may gain and no matter how much you may accomplish, it's all for nothing. And you will find that even that which you accomplish is gone in a moment. Yesterday's pleasures are but a memory. Yesterday's rest is but gone. And today there's new trouble and new problems. And every day is a warfare. If we're honest about it, it's a warfare, it's a trial. And the days come and the days go and we grow old. And then we face the last enemy, death. And we have nothing. No arms with which we can destroy it. It comes upon us and destroys us. It takes us. Rightly. Because the wages of sin are death. And as sinners who have multiplied sins throughout each and every day, the wages will be paid. Yes, there are wars on every side. Christ knew war on every side. From the day he was born to the day he was crucified, he knew warfare. The opposition he faced 
from the Pharisees, the scribes, the religious men of his day, the opposition he faced from sinners who rejected him, the opposition he faces from you and I. Warfare. But none were like the war he faced when he was nailed to that tree. When wicked men took him and nailed him to that cross and took that man born in Bethlehem of whom multitudes will sing and speak this season. We each took him and nailed him to that tree. And when he was taken and nailed and lifted up, what a battle he entered into. What torments he endured. What depths he was plunged into. What agonies, what tumult. God made him to be sin, that his people might be made the righteousness of God in him. God laid upon him the iniquity of us all. God made him to be a curse. God slew his own son as he stood in the place of his people. There were wars on every side. And David, in his experience, knew of this. He knew of the warfare in his own life. But he was taught of how this pictured his Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. He saw through these things to his Saviour, crucified for him. In Psalm 38 we read, O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure, for thine arrow stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. For mine iniquities are gone over mine head, as an heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. For my loins are filled with a loathsome disease and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and sore broken. I have roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart. Lord, all my desire is before thee and my groaning is is not hid from thee. My heart panteth, my strength faileth me. As for the light of mine eyes, it also is gone from me. My lovers and my friends stand aloof from my saw, and my kinsmen stand afar off. They also that seek after my life lay snares for me, and they that seek my hurt speak mischievous things and imagine deceits all the day long. But I as a deaf man heard not, and I was as a dumb man that openeth not his mouth. Thus I was as a man that heareth not, and in whose mouth are no reproofs. Oh, how David speaks of Christ here. Cast out by all, hated by all, 
crucified by all. But in the midst of this suffering, Christ trusted and rested in his God. For in thee, O Lord, do I hope. Thou wilt hear, O Lord my God. For I said, hear me, lest otherwise they should rejoice over me. When my foot slippeth, they magnify themselves against me. For I am ready to halt, and my sorrow is continually before me. For I will declare mine iniquity. I will be sorry for my sin. But mine enemies are lively, and they are strong. And they that hate me wrongfully are multiplied. They also that render evil for good are mine adversaries. Because I follow the thing that good is. Forsake me not, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. Oh, what a cry from the Lord and Saviour as he suffered upon the cross. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. Likewise in Psalm 40, David writes, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And I've put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man that maketh the Lord his trust and respecteth not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required? Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within mine heart. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness within mine heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. For innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me, so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of mine head. Therefore my heart faileth me. Oh, what depths Christ was plunged into. He had declared the righteousness of God. He had preached the gospel in the great congregation. He had done his Father's will throughout all the days of his life and wicked men took him and despised him and set him at naught. And on the cross, God took his son as a sacrifice for sin and laid upon him the sins of his people. And he who knew no sin was made sin 
such that he cries out, For innumerable evils have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me, so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of mine head, therefore my heart faileth me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it. Let them be driven backward and put to shame that wish me evil. Let them be desolate for a reward of their shame that say unto me, Aha, aha! Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified, but I am poor and needy. Yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my helper, my deliverer. Make no tarrying, O my God. Innumerable evils have compassed me about. Christ knew wars on every side in a manner that no man can contemplate. The fury of the wrath of God that was poured down upon him as he bore innumerable evils as he bore the iniquity of his people, the hatred, the unbelief, the rejection, the despising, the vileness, the depravity, as he bore that iniquity. Oh, the warfare on every side, without and within. Such that he cries out, as prophesied by David in Psalm 22, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? O my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and I'm not silent, but thou art holy. O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee and were delivered and trusted in thee and were not confounded. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of man and despise of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the hip, they shake the head saying he trusted on the Lord that he should deliver him. Let him deliver him seeing he delighted in him. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me. For trouble is near. For there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have set me around. They gaped upon me with their mouths. As a ravening and a roaring lion, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me, they pierced my hands and my feet. 
I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. But be not thou far from me, O Lord. O my strength, haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. Oh, what depths this king endured in order to bring his people into the rest of eternal salvation. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Yet this warfare, these battles, this place where Christ suffered, is exactly why he came. This is exactly why he came into the world. This is why that child was born at Bethlehem. This is why one was born at Bethlehem, that is, born king of the Jews. This is why he came to head to this cross, to be beset by wars on every side. To finish the work of salvation. To accomplish the salvation, the redemption, the ransom of his people. To deliver the captives, to set them free. He came for sinners like you and I who are bound fast by their sin. Who are ensnared by their unbelief who were trapped by the darkness and depravity of sin within that forces us to condemn him, that traps us in unbelief. We cannot believe if we want to believe. We're ensnared by our own foolishness. We may hear a thousand times and nothing ever enters into the heart. We're in a jail We're in captivity, we're in darkness, we're in a dark place where no light enters in. Yet he who is light came into the darkness of this world to set the captives free, to shine the light into the darkness, to open the prison cell and fling the door wide that we may go free. He came to go to the cross to take the sins of his people, that which condemns them, that which keeps them in the grave, to take their sins upon himself, to take those innumerable evils and compass them around himself that they should not bear them, that they should be delivered of them, to take their iniquities and call them his, to bear their sins and have them on him and call them his sins, to be cursed that they should not be cursed. He came to go to the cross to die, that sinners like you and I should live. He came to finish the work, to conquer all his enemies, to destroy our enemies, to accomplish the warfare. He came and he destroyed all his enemies. Believer, all your enemies. 
sin, death, hell, Satan, the adversary, the enemies without and the enemies within. He accomplished the work. He finished salvation. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, Isaiah cries out. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she have received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. He came to bring the battles to an end. He came to take his people's sins and take it away. He came to bring in righteousness where there was only iniquity. He came to bring in life where there was only death. He came to shine a light where there was only darkness. He came to die that sinners should live. And having borne the iniquity, having been encompassed by innumerable evils, having cried out to his God, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Having endured the darkness at the end, when the price was paid, when every penny was paid, when the redemption price was paid, when the ransom was settled, when every last sin had been blotted out, he cried out in victory, it is finished. And he gave up the ghost and they laid him in the grave. And on the third day, he arose victorious. He mounted as a conquering warrior, his horse, and returned from battle in blood-soaked clothes, leading his people into rest, into a temple that lasts forever, into an everlasting kingdom, arrayed in fine linen, with not one blemish, the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. How his faith was rewarded. In the darkness on the cross, he looked unto his Father, he trusted and waited, he endured, knowing, knowing that the salvation of his people would be accomplished, knowing that his enemies should be put under the soles of his feet, knowing that the Son should sit down on the right hand of the Father, in rest, in victory, with his people, knowing that salvation would be accomplished. It is finished. Finished. Thou knowest how that David, my father, could not build an house unto the name of the Lord his God, for the wars which were about him on every side, until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. Well, the Lord put them under the soles of Jesus' feet. His King, David's Saviour, David's Lord and Saviour for whom he looked. David's warfare came to an end. Christ's warfare 
came to an end. Never to be repeated. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. David wrote in Psalm 110. David looked throughout time, down through the corridors of time, to the coming of his Saviour. And he saw that king who would come in his place, born of his lineage, that promised king and saviour. He saw how he would destroy all his enemies, how the warfare would be accomplished, how the wars which were about him on every side would be brought to an end, how he would rise victorious and sit down. And David wrote, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And surely the Lord has. In the beginning of Hebrews we read, But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And in Hebrews 10, from verse 12, we read this. There is coming that day when this will be true in every respect. It was true when Christ cried out, it is finished. But there is time that continues where the enemies of God rage against him until time is no more. And on that day, all shall be at his feet and all shall be his footstool. In Hebrews 10 we read, This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Where are you with respect to this king? Are you among those like King Hiram, who loved David, are you among those whom God has given a heart to love this king, to come willingly and bow down before him? Are you among those like the wise men who were given wisdom of God to seek him out? And to follow the star, to find where he is, to seek him out. Has God given you a desire to read his scriptures, to hear his gospel, to seek out this king? When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. Have you been given the wisdom to come and to worship this king? Or are you yet among his enemies? And will the day come when you will become but his footstool? Is our apathy for Christ or our hatred of Christ such that we are but his footstool. David was a picture of this king of kings. In his battles, in his warfare, in his death at the cross, 
Solomon pictured the rest into which he entered and the temple of his body, of whom all his people are a part. This king, of whom David and Solomon are but pictures, was heralded heralded at his birth by the coming of the wise men who sought he who was born the king of the Jews. He was heralded at his death when Pilate made an inscription which was nailed over his head and there was set up over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. All the world has heard that Christ was crucified and an inscription written in three tongues so that all men may read and know and hear was above his head saying, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. This is Joshua. This is God's Saviour sent to men, the King of the Jews. This is your King. Have you sought him as your King and Saviour? Or will you one day bow when you can do nothing else? Will you be but his footstool? The day is fast coming when we shall all bow to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God has highly exalted him. He was born and the wise men sought the king. He was crucified and men nailed above him an accusation. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. But having died and risen again, and risen and sat down on the right hand of the Father, God highly exalted him, gave him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of of God the Father. Is that your confession? Has God made him known? Has he made his grace, his mercy and his love towards sinners like you and I known? For this King, this Lord, came into this dark and evil world and we took him and we crucified him And God laid upon him the sins of his people and condemned him and he died in order that sinners like you and I should live, in order that we should not remain in the darkness, in order that we should not remain in captivity, in order that our blindness should be taken away and as blind men we should see, in order that our deafness should be turned into hearing, in order that our unbelieving heart should believe, has he given you faith to see the one who is seated on high this day, who hath on his vesture and on his fire name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Has God given you grace and faith to see the one who endured wars on every side in order that he should bring his people into everlasting rest? Where are you headed? 
Are you headed for wars on every side? Or do you know this Saviour, this King? Are you one of his house? Do you know his rest? Can you cry out, my Lord and my God and my Saviour? Can you cry out that he is your King and your Lord? Have you sought the one who was born the King of the Jews? Amen.